Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today we're going to take a look at the nursing profession in the United States and around the world and the challenges affecting this very, very important profession. My guest is an expert on this topic. Dr. Daniel Peshit is an American nurse, educator, academic, researcher, and coach. He's an emeritus professor of nursing, past director of Catherine J. Densford's International Center for Nursing Leadership, and the Catherine R. and C. Walton Lily Hyde Chair in Nursing Leadership at the University of Minnesota, from which he is now retired. Dr. Daniel Peshit, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thank you, Bill. I really admire and appreciate your creativity and leadership in this space. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's get nursing is so important <laughs> to everybody. We don't realize it until we get ill or we go to the hospital or we go to the doctor's office or what have you. But it's an extremely important profession. And the issues they're dealing with today are probably going to be even more challenging in the future. How did you get involved in this and looking at nursing and looking at the foresight of the challenges affecting the nursing profession? Well, when I was a professor at the University of South Carolina in the mid-90s, I was invited to participate with a group to create um, a leadership development program. The first dean of the University of South Carolina, Amy Viglione Cockcroft, said that she wanted to create visionary nurse leaders. And so she, through her philanthropy, endowed this program, but there was a need to create a curriculum. And so several of us were scratching our heads saying visionary leadership, hmm, <laughs> visionary leadership presupposes a notion about the future. And so I took a deep dive into what that meant and um, read a couple of uh, books that challenged me. Bert Nanus was one. He talked about visionary leaders. And in that book, he said, if a leader is not spending 20% of their time scanning the environment for disruptive innovations, they will be caught unaware of uh, things that will impact them and their business and the enterprise. So as part of that um, curriculum, I contacted the Institute for Alternative Futures at the time and uh, talked with Clem Beesold and Jonathan Peck, and we invited someone from that organization to come and, and work with our nurse, nurse leaders and really instill in them uh, foresight, futures literacy, leadership thread. And so that futures literacy and foresight has been a red thread of my career, and I have brought that with me through my time at Indiana University uh, where I was a department chair and director of the doctoral program, and then with my time at the Densford Center at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing. And so it occurred to me, uh, and with the help of the Dean Connie White Delaney at the University of Minnesota, in 2017, we created a national summit about the issue of nursing foresight leadership. And as a result of that summit, we developed a, a web-based resource to give people more information about foresight resources that are out there. And people can access that by going to www 
foresight-leadership.org. And uh, I've tried to curate some materials that would help orient people to futures literacy and foresight leadership. And we also have a conversation and a, a group going on LinkedIn where I post things and share things for people to think about how they could incorporate foresight and innovation in their everyday work world. That is so important to do. Now there's a report that came out, the Future of Nursing Report, which had, I think, nine major recommendations and focused on some of the challenges that were affecting the nursing profession, not just in the United States, but again, around the world. This is, well, we, we talk about one country, maybe in isolation. We're really not. <laughs> we're really talking about right. question in virtually every country. What was the, uh, what were some of the findings of that report? Well, the most recent report in terms of uh, the future of nursing 2020 to 2030 builds on previous efforts that were commissioned by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation with the Institute of Medicine. And it's now called the National Academies of Science, Education and Medicine. And so they brought together people to look at the evidence about what nurses needed to do and to put together a blueprint to take nursing into the future, 2020 to 2030. And one of the big uh, efforts of that report was to bring uh, the whole notion of social determinants of health and health equity to the foreground rather than being in the background. And so there is a lot of information about um, social determinants of health and equity. Uh, other recommendations are uh, advocating that nurses be able to practice to the full scope of their license. There are some restrictions on nursing practice in the United States and around the world, actually, in terms of what nurses can do and what especially advanced practice nurses can do. And so that report um, suggested that there needed to be um, more emphasis on expanding the scope of practice for nurses. It also focused on increasing education, the strength of education. It also focused on um, bringing together people to look at more payment, different payment models and mechanisms for um, nursing, as well as um, looking at preparing nurses for disaster. And so there are a variety of things in that report in terms of expanding the advocacy and the leadership and the impact and the influence of, of nurses in Everyday, everyday practice in institutions, both in the United States and around the world, and valuing community and public health nursing. You mentioned valuing community and public health nurses and also a better payment procedure. And of course, one thing that seems to come out of this COVID-19 horrific situation we've had over the nearly past two years is that nurses are, in many cases, overworked, they're underpaid, there are not enough of them in the facilities and that type of thing. What, what can we do to improve that? Again, improve their pay, I guess, is one way to do it. Are there other methods of uh, compensating nurses for the, uh, in many cases, heroic, heroic work they do? Well, there are people that are looking at new models of care and integrating different um, different innovations in nursing practice. Another one of my roles, my hats that I currently wear is I'm chair of the American Nurses Association Innovation Advisory Board. And we have mobilized a group of nurses around the country. We have like 12,000 nurses now on a, a digital platform 
talking to each other about innovative models of care. And we have a great international or a national advisory board. Plus we have 10 subcommittees that are looking at new care models, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship and nursing, education and communication, planetary health, um, uh, social determinants of health, and a variety of um, things that are going on in artificial intelligence. One of the big things I think that's going to happen in the future is that um, one of the big shifts that I don't think many people are aware of is that things are shifting from a diagnose and treat to a predict and manage paradigm. And so as we gather more data and information and we look at patterns and trends, uh, diagnosis and treatment will always be there. But we have enough information and knowledge now to help nurses predict and manage things before they even happen. And that is going to create a huge difference in terms of the healthcare we provide to people and the types of effort and roles that nurses will evolve into the future. What can we do to focus on health equity and help create a, a culture of health in this country to get people to think about better health practices, improving their eating habits, exercising, whatever the case might be, is again, without creating a nanny state, we're not trying to tell people what to do, but to provide information to them to help them make a better decision, a more rational, healthier decision. But what can we do in that area? Well, interesting, you mentioned that. And um, the Institute for Alternative Futures worked with the Robert Wood Johnson way back in 2012 and developed four scenarios about the future of health in 2032. And one of the scenarios that they developed was called a culture of health. And interestingly enough, that is the theme and the scenario that the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation decided to move forward. And so there are a variety of things that people are, are doing in regards to operationalizing that culture of health. One of them is, uh, of, of course, everybody is now dealing with and trying to unpack what structural racism has done in terms of health and health inequities. Um, where you live sometimes makes a difference in terms of the kind of health care that you can get. Uh, and I think with more and more things happening with the whole area of personalized medicine and genomics, I think people are going to be looking at alternative and innovative ways to track people's health with monitors and uh, again, that surveillance and that predict and manage paradigm is going to come forward in terms of creating alternative ways for people to seek help in communities and stay healthy. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with any type of PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer, you like our shows and you'd like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at an extremely important profession, that of nursing, and to see what some of the challenges are today and what they will be in the future. My guest today is an expert on this topic. Dr. Daniel Peshit is an American nurse, educator, academic researcher, and coach. We're talking about nursing in general. 
and talking about what can be done to improve nursing and to make it more an attractive profession, so to speak, to make it more professional profession, if you will. But there's a lot being done internationally. And I'm thinking of, uh, when I think of activities underway, I think often the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And of course, the goal number three is to promote good health and well-being, as I recall. There, you, you've been involved in this. You mentioned to me a Nightingale Initiative for Global Health. What exactly is that? And how does that tie into the UN Sustainable Development Goals? Uh, again, not only dealing with health, but those goals are to eliminate poverty, to eradicate hunger, to empower women, to combat climate change, to just on across the board, to affect billions of people's lives, to make their lives better. Well, you know, I've been involved in international work for a long while. Actually, I was president of an international nursing honor society, Sigma Theta Tau International, from 2003 to 2005. And had the chance to meet uh, Dr. Barbara Dossie and uh, Diva Marie Beck, who created back then the Nightingale Initiative. And they were, they were really um, uh, taken with Florence Nightingale's initiatives and the kind of work that she did uh, in terms of her visionary nursing leadership at the time. And so the Nightingale Initiative linked with the social determinant, the uh, sustainable development goals, they do a nice job of articulating each of the sustainable development goals and providing an example of what Florence Nightingale did at the time. So that it is, it is a fabric of the nursing profession, each of those sustainable development goals, especially the, the number 17 about partnerships and looking at partnerships for creating health, maintaining health and promoting well-being as well as mitigating, mitigating disease. So another initiative uh, that I've been involved in actually is just launched this past year. It's called Nurses Drawdown. And it is, um, it is uh, linked with the Project Drawdown, which is an international initiative to help decrease the temperature of the planet and sort of influence climate change. And Nurses Drawdown is, uh, was created as a movement to help nurses personally and professionally take action around four specific areas related actually to climate change, energy, supporting clean energy by promoting energy efficiency and advocating the transition to renewable energy, food, committing to a plant-based diet and a clean cook stoves and reduced food waste, mobility, building an infrastructure that is more walkable and bikeable and um, mass transit, gender equity, which is educating girls and family planning, and then nature-based solutions, uh, planting trees, protecting tropical forests and forest protection. Uh, people that are interested in that can go to www.nursesdrawdown.org and um, see some of the initiatives and some of the partnerships that we have built with people around the world in terms of organizations around the Planetary Health Alliance, the Project Drawdown, uh, the International Council of Nursing, uh, Sigma Theta Tau International. There's a variety of things that are happening in that area. There are a lot of resources out there. And before I forget it, I'll just mention uh, the other websites too. If folks are interested in the Sustainable Development Goals, 
they can go to www.un.org. And you mentioned the Nightingale Initiative, and that's www.nivision.net backslash ungoals.html, and we will put that in lower thirds. That's that's, that's a long way to remember. The un.org <laughs> may be a little easier, and people can always uh, Google sustainable development goals to tap into them. Well, this, this is such an, an important area, an important initiative that you're dealing with. And uh, you are a, you're a futurist, you're thinking not only of what's going on today, but what's going to happen tomorrow and 15, 20, 30 years down the road. What are some of the other transformational issues you see that are looming over the horizon that we're going to be dealing with? And how will the nursing, nursing profession change? Will there be, I'm sure that uh, modernization or the creation of robots and things like that will enter into the play. And how, how do you see that unfolding? Actually, there are robots now working in institutions, helping nurses uh, do uh, care. And um, I think personalized medicine, personalized health, personalized um, uh, omics, uh, it's going to be huge. That whole predict and manage is going to be huge. The use of sensors and sensor technology is um, already happening. Monitoring and surveillance of, of health conditions. A lot of self-care is going to be a part of it. Kin care is going to be huge. I can remember way back when the Surgeon General um, with the Belmont vision talked about probably what's going to happen is kin care because there are not enough nurses to go around in the world. And so uh, care is gonna shift, I think, to families and communities. And we're gonna see new kinds of community healthcare workers emerging. that are gonna have to help us manage the challenges associated with healthcare of the future. And um, so there are a variety of those things. And then the other thing that's gonna happen is the huge amounts of things associated with data mining, data science, big data, in terms of informing um, our action and our innovations in regards to collective impact with relationship to the social determinants of health. I mentioned the COVID-19 experience. And of course, the frontline workers, I think, in my opinion, a lot of other people too think that they're really heroes. And of course, nurses fall into that category. What do you think, have there been some lessons learned that we can pick up on that have come out of this COVID-19 to help strengthen the nursing profession, uh, to make nurses, uh, make the profession more desirable and one that will better serve societies all around the world in the future? Well, I think one of the big lessons is the no whole notion about taking care of yourself so that you'd be there to take care of other people. The American Nurses Association has a huge initiative, Nurse Wellbeing, and many, many organizations are focusing now on well-being and taking care of uh, their staff and providing respite as well as all kinds of resources to help people manage the burnout and sort of deal with the polarity between burnout and revitalization. There's a tension there in terms of those opposites and managing that uh, is becomes important. You know, one of the things that I think is so important is that um, people pay attention to how they play with the opposites and the polarities. One of the things that I often do is I ask people to think about what the opposite of nursing is. 
And it causes people to pause for a minute. But if you look in the dictionary, the opposite of nursing is negligence. And so every day in every way, nurses at the front line are managing the tension between providing care and no care, between negligence and nursing. And that is a challenge and really a significant destiny call. One of my favorite guys is Lance Secretan. He's a leadership guru from uh, Canada. And he talks about the spark, the flame, and the torch. But he also talks about having a why be do statement. Why are you here? Who will you be? And what will you do? And he says he gets at that by asking people, what's the most threatening thing in the world today? And he calls that the terror threat. And then he asks them to think of the opposite of that. And that's the terror fix. And he said, once you clear about your terror threat, negligence, once you're clear about your fix, nursing, then that's your destiny. That's your calling. That's what you're called to do. So I worked that through long ago. <laughs> I do think negligence is a big threat in the world today, but the opposite of that is nursing. And it's why I've been a nurse for 45 years, working every day to sort of manage that tension and bring health and well-being and nursing and caring to the foreground instead of in the background. Mm -hmm. And in the 45 years you've had in this experience, looking at it 45 years ago, bringing it forward to today, what has been the most significant change that has occurred in the nursing profession? As you see, I'm sure there may be dozens of them, I'm not sure, but is there one that really sticks out that says, this is where we were, this is where we are, and this may be where we're going to be in the future? Well, you know, a whole other thread of my professional life is of how people clinically reason, how people reason about complexity. In the early days in the 1950s, nursing was pretty much a problem-solving process. Assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. But now nursing has devolved and evolved and developed a whole set of um, language and standardized terminologies and um, nomenclatures, and we are more outcome-oriented. And so we're managing the tension between problems and outcomes. And in order to clinically reason about that, you have to have a systems thinking mindset with an eye towards the future. It cannot be, it's not a linear you know, deductive process. You've got to really grapple with the complexity and the systems dynamics associated with managing the tension between opposites all the time. It certainly is. And it is such a noble profession. And it's one that we often take for granted, or as I mentioned, we never think about until we go to the hospital or we go to the doctor's office, or we have a pandemic, or there's some health issue that brings us into contact with the nurse. We think of a doctor probably quite a bit, I would imagine, but we may not think as much about nurses and we certainly need to do that. But Dr. Daniel Peshit, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Well, thank you, Bill. And thanks for all the work you do. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television. Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, 
or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. 